French oboist, Philippe Tondre has secured a place among the finest musicians of his generation. Master of the oboe, his music-making is packed with emotional sensitivity and stunning virtuosity. The powerful expressiveness of his interpretations connects with all audiences and has brought him great critical acclaim. There have been several unforgettable events which have marked Philip Tondra's career. Undoubtedly, one of his greatest moments was winning the ARD Music Competition as well as the Audience Prize and the prize for the best interpretation of Lisa Lim's commissioned composition in Munich in 2011. In 2012, Philip Tondra received the Beethoven Ring, a musical honour given by the Beethoven Fest in Bonn thus joining the prestigious list of previous recipients, including Julia Fischer, Lisa Batyashevili, and Gustavo Dudamel. Philip Tondra's invitation to appear in the art television programme, Stars of Tomorrow, hosted by Rolando Villazon, was an exceptional and exciting moment. Principal oboe of the Philadelphia Orchestra, the Chamber Orchestra of Europe, and the SWR Symphony Orchestra, Philip is also a member of the Mito Chamber Orchestra. The newly formed Kama Ensemble Paris and the principal oboe of the Saito Kinan Orchestra, Matsumoto. From 2014 until 2020, he was solo oboe of the Budapest Festival Orchestra and from 2016 until 2017, solo oboe of the Gowan House Orchestra in Leipzig. He has worked with eminent conductors Amongst others, Seiji Ozawa, Yannick Nezesegan, Sir Simon Reto, Gustavo Dudamel, Andres Nelsons, Ivan Fischer, Daniela Gatti, Theodore Corentis, Franz Velsomos, Sir Roger Norrington, Fabio Luizzi, Herbert Blomstedt, Esa Pekka Salonen, and Daniel Harding. In November 2015, Philip Tondra was nominated. Professor for Oboe at the Hochschule for Music, Sa. He gives masterclasses in China, Taiwan, Japan, Spain, Switzerland, and Germany. He plays on a buffet crampon, Legend Oboe. Welcome back to Legends of Read. I'm your host, Joanne Sukumaran. I'm a bassoonist based in Singapore. Before we get to that interview, here's a message from our sponsor. Legends of Read is sponsored by Barton Kane. Barton Cane is your stock for quality double reed cane. Their cane is processed with precision equipment completely designed by them. Your days of saying no to happy hours are over. Use coupon code LEGENDSOFREED, all one word, for free shipping on any order. Take back your life with Barton Cane. So today I'm very pleased to have with me the wonderful oboist Philip Tondra. Welcome to the show, Philip. Thank you very much, Joanne. Hi to everybody. I'm very uh, happy to have you with us. Uh, how are you doing? I know it's very early in the morning for you right now. Uh, everything's good. It's very cold here in Philadelphia, but nice weather. So um, yeah, it's very pleasant. Yeah, so I listened to some of your recordings and previous interviews. There was a very funny and sympathetic uh, video about you trying the Philadelphia cheese steak, you know? 
Yeah, so I was very impressed by your many accomplishments and you know your your bio is so dazzling, right? So just wanted to understand um your background and your musical journey. So firstly, could you explain how you got started playing the oboe? Was it your original choice? Um, I started the oboe when I was five, six years old. Uh, it was not my first choice. At first, I um, I liked the flute very much. I can't explain why, but um, uh, probably the the virtuosity of the instrument was. Um, uh, was more impressive for me than the others and this is why I picked the flute up somehow it didn't work out for me I didn't have the right um, embouchure or I had some problems and I was struggling getting some sound out of that instrument so I I decided to change because I was not you know I was not getting fun with um, at first it was a hobby of course huh? so you're trying to get fun in a hobby if you don't have fun in a hobby why why you know, why doing that hobby so um I tried to change instrument and then I I picked up the oboe because it was pure coincidence. There was still a a place free in the in the oboe class because I changed during the year, so there were not so many much offers like at the beginning of the season. And so I tried the oboe and the oboe worked well, so I I changed to the oboe. Hmm, I see. Okay. Yeah, this that's quite interesting. Um at what uh, stage or you know age that did you th- did you think that you might become a professional musician, if you think back? Um, it's difficult to say, but sometimes there are some important um, meetings, you know, in in your life. Some sometimes you meet very important people or people who can, um, you know, uh, have an influence on your future, and I think this happened with me when I was um, 13, 14 years old. I was taking some courses with um, Jean-Louis Capizzali, who's um, professor in Lyon in the Conservatoire, and he he, he, he recognized uh, that I had some potential and that um, if I wanted to follow that path into, you know, I could, but I would need to I'll need to give a lot more energy than what I'm doing right now. Um, I'm speaking about the time, of course. So, I basically, if someone tells you something like this, then you realize that you have maybe you have you have you know there's a possibility that it could work out. So, if someone puts you gives you his trust like this, uh, because it's trust. Now, basically, you have to trust that person that they're saying the right thing. Um, so I, I think from that moment onwards, I, I realized that maybe this could be something. And so I, I tried it out because I liked music a lot and I liked the oboe. Mm. So um, it was basically, why not? Um, I, I didn't really fix myself on doing it, but because, because it was working well and I, had, uh, I knew I had some capacities and that I was, I was enjoying it a lot. I decided to take that path. So maybe to answer precisely your question, I would say 13 or 14 years old. Hmm. Wow, that was really very young yeah? as a yeah, teenager. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. it's very, of course, it's very young, but um, we all know how the world works, especially now. So uh, 
you know, when you, when I, when I see football players or tennis players or friends who become like, you know, athletes, it's the same. I mean, they are scouted very, very young and, um, the younger somehow now, the better for the clubs or for the institutions. So I, I'm not saying that there's a similarity in music, but of course, um, there are some examples that are relevant and that match that. So mine was like this. I also decided quite young and I was pushed quite young to decide. So um, why not? I, some other friends for mine, they decided to do music later. It worked for them very well. There's no rule. I think um, this is what's beautiful in music is that uh, on the contrary, then sport is that you could you can start later and it doesn't matter i mean um um, everybody has its own experience let's put it like this Mm. yeah yeah i i i see that you are quite sporty yeah from your social media Uh, maybe we will come back to this topic right of uh, sports and fitness yeah because i think it's quite quite an important team yeah um and I also listened to a previous uh, interview. I think you mentioned that you joined um, the junior uh, academy and it was also full of discipline, right? And rules for you, right? Um, sorry, the junior academy? Uh, um, what are you meaning? Which uh, I don't know what you mean. Uh, I think it was in the um, interview with Double Read Dish and then as uh, uh, before you joined the professional section of the conservatoire you were attached to another division and you had a lot of rules that you had to follow. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I was in the, yes, in the internal. Yeah, sorry, I didn't understand that. Yes, so um, there, is a, there is a system in the Paris Conservatory that, it's, that is um, especially um, designated to help um, younger students who are still at, in school and so I was still in school in my first year um, at the Conservatoire. And so I was, you know, I was under 18 and um, I needed some, you know, some structure, some infrastructure, <laughs> uh, both of them uh, in my life to be able to, to do both because um, it was in the last year of school. So it was, it was very busy from that point of view. Um, and it was also the first year at the, at the conservatory, so it's also full. So it was a very dense year. Um, so I was in this um, special part of the conservatoire where there were very strict rules about, you know, when you had to wake up, when you had to go to bed, and uh, and so it, in fact, it was it helped me a lot to fulfill all my activities. So um, yeah, maybe some part of my personality with the discipline. Uh, came from those experiences and especially the first year in Paris. Mm. Okay, so yeah, sorry, I meant the word pre-professional. Yeah, it's coming back to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 Okay, so so that was really a formative experience for you, right? Um, could you name us some of the other um, key uh, mentors or musical inspirations uh, for you? Um, well, I think for all of us, our first teachers have um, such a huge impact on on all our um, you know our life. Um, my first teacher was the teacher I've spent the most time with, um, Yves Cotres, who's um, professor in Clermont-Ferrand now, and he was professor in Mulhouse and studied in Lyon. Um, fantastic oboe player, fantastic person. 
um, amazing teacher. And I think I learned most from him. Um, so I would say he influenced me the most. Um, as a, you know, as a, as far as I'm concerned, and for, as, as, as an example, I, I always work my pieces the way he used to work them. So he, his practicing techniques, those are the ones I'm still using now to prepare my programs or anything, basically. They are part of my routine. So that's why you see that, you know, your teacher has a signature on you, um, so for that, Eve was, of course, very important. Then, I mean, there are so many people who are very important. It's it's very difficult to singularize uh, some people and some, to make some some stand out of this. But of course, David in in Paris was um, a huge inspiration, and um, he he helped me in so many ways. I think that David was. Um, the, the professor who unleashed music in me, let's put it that way, because um, I was a very shy person uh, when I was younger, and he brought me, he helped me to feel music like something that could, um, you know, break this this wall of like you know tim- timidness. So mm-hmm. I. I think David was very important in that sense. So he he managed me to, so I could get I could really express my personality through the oboe and music, uh, whereas I I could not really in normal life. So I think David managed to do that, which was very important, of course. And then uh, my last teacher was Maurice Bourg. Um, I didn't study with him a long time, but it was two years or, I mean, it was not at the conservatoire, but I would see him regularly because he was like, it was a little bit like coaching. I would say it was not really like studying, but he was coaching me for the last years before, um, you know, going fully into professional life. And, um, I think Maurice was the one who put me in front of my difficulties and my problems, or let's say he's the one who would, he was the, one so he would be the, my mirror so he would put it, put me really in front of my um, yeah of the things I had still to deal with in my life and also on the oboe and um, it hurted a lot but it was very useful um, mm. I think it was um, yeah he's very good at that he's very good at, at spotting what you could still get better and he's he just goes at it very clearly and uh firmly and he insists on it and it, it hurts you know because you know you know obviously on yourself that something you can still do better or you know when you have some um yeah and so maurice was very important for me in that way and then of course there were some other musicians who were um along the path uh, when i was uh, younger and who influenced me or who inspired me um uh, Natalie Stutzmann, for example, very f- funny enough, she's um, now our principal guest conductor in Philadelphia, but I took once uh, uh, a lesson with her, and at first it was like many years ago in Japan, and it changed my life, like just to see how uh, she's a singer, but sorry, I didn't mention that, so she's a singer, and to see how singers deal with breath control and breath breathing and also how to emphasize phrases and to develop phrases. It was um, very inspiring. So she was also, she was also part of um, 
an important part of, uh, of my development. So, I mean, I can name so many. I named those four because maybe those are the most, uh, those, you know, maybe significant. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But yeah. there are so yeah. many who were out there and uh, yeah. all of my teachers, I had lessons with on courses, you know, in the summer, I mean, I can name so many, but Sebastian Gio, very important for me, or mm -hmm. some, some people like that who, who really helped me develop. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, or Jacques Tisse, also the, the other professor in Paris, um, and also my assist the assistant professor in Paris, uh, Frédéric Tardy. Um, all of those, um, they helped me tremendously. Mm -hmm. Wow, it, it, that sounds really wonderful. It sounded very um, like a humbling experience to play for Maurice Bourg, you know. I think uh, I saw a video of you playing in a, I oh. think a master class with him, and he he looked very strict uh, somehow. Yes, but he's he was strict in. Um, yeah, it was hard with him. It's hard you um, because he pushes you to your limit, and that's mm -hmm. the only way to to get you better is to is to break that limit and to go above it, right? So, mm -hmm. and he knows how to how to deal with that very precisely. Mm. So um, the lessons were not fun. Uh, they were sometimes very hard. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, now when I talk about it, um, I, I can only be thankful because I know that it's going to help me for my future. And, and maybe if I have to help some other oboists later, in, maybe I can, I know how to maybe help them also. We mm -hmm. all have different styles of like help, you know, coaching or teaching. But for sure, um, the Maurice experience was um, very important to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I really like the French school of uh, wind playing, yeah, you know. And then mm -hmm. uh, I think I also recorded a lot of French music so much so that the, I think the critics said uh, that I was a Francophile or something. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, could you explain maybe why you think that the French school of the Oboe is so strong? Is it the tradition or education? Or? <laughs> um, I think someone said the, the Oboe is so complicated. It's That's why the French can master it because <laughs> French are complicated. <laughs> Um, I don't know if that's, um, yeah, the, of course the French school is strong, but there are so many schools that are very strong and, um, especially nowadays, but also at the time, I mean, it's, um, I don't know why, especially French school is like spotted out like this. Um, first of all, I think maybe because, um, the language mm -hmm. maybe suits the oboe in a way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because um, it's very so the oboe is in it's in a way very it's how do you say it's a very introvert instrument because the embouchure is in them it's like fagot right it's like mm -hmm. bassoon, so the, the, the embouchure is in the mouth so mm -hmm. there's lots of intimacy there already right it's mm -hmm. like very introvert mm -hmm. um, so there's lots of uh, how to say lots of secrets somehow in the oboe it's an instrument that um, you need to push through a lot uh, to express yourself. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say the French are exuberant, but French are, um, how do you say, they have a very, the language is very malleable, so it's mm -hmm. very smooth. And mm -hmm. I think this works in the way the, the instrument speaks. So maybe the language has something to, to do with it. Um, mm -hmm. It could be. Um, also, we have a very good... Um, 
system with music schools in France, mm -hmm. um, which is not, I mean, it um, has to be said. Uh, we have um, lots of music schools and where, you know, kids have the possibility to start very young um, in country to other countries, I think. And so we... Um, so you can start with a very young age already, oboe, um, which is, um, I think, rare because I know, I mean, most of my friends were not from France, were not French, started later. So comparing to England, for example, friends there or even in the US, um, from my experiences I have here, people I, I met today, I don't know so many people starting with five or six or seven years of age. So I would say that that could be the second point. Um, then maybe the third point is that, um, the brands, so the oboe brands are most of them French. I mean, the mm -hmm. very famous ones, of course, there's so many now around the world that are very good and, you know, chapeau and respect to all of, and that's great. Um, but the major, the big major oboe brands are Fran French uh, mm -hmm. from France and produced also in France. So... Maybe this also has an impact on the school, uh, directly, less directly, I don't know, but um, it could be an explanation, that's point number three. And maybe, I don't know, um, the oboe has so much colors and uh, I, I, we, we have good food and good tastes, maybe that, that makes a difference, I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> I know it's not a, so relevant, but the three first points for sure, I think, have an impact on the school if we can put it that way. I know it's a very difficult question for the morning. Sorry, no, no. It's good. <laughs> good. Okay, so so now that you are based in Philadelphia, right? How how do you toggle between playing in the US and you have to go back to I mean in the Europe, right? You have to keep changing your pitch, right? How do you do it? <laughs> So, no, not really. Um, not really? Yeah. I mean, yes, of course, if you... So, there is a difference between 440 in Philadelphia yeah. and 443 in Germany, so yeah. Leipzig yeah. Uh, or Stuttgart, where I used to play. Um, of course, there, there is a difference. But, um, yeah, I mean, the pitch is one thing. Uh, it's, also, it's, it's also... It's more, I see it more like a color of sound, you know? Mm. It's not so much about like being purely, uh, sometimes in Philadelphia, of course, you get the A at 440, but you play, and sometimes you play four, there are some things you play 442, and it comes down again. Or it, it's very, I wouldn't say there's a strict rule about pitch, you know? Sometimes it's the same in Germany, you start at 443, but sometimes it, it, maybe in some moments of the concert, it gets a bit lower to 442, sometimes it gets higher. So there's a tendency, of course, to go higher most, you know, through a concert more for everybody. But mm -hmm, um, so the, the pitch is not such a big deal. Yeah, I don't think so. No, yeah. it's um, surprisingly enough, I've never had problems with pitch. So if you have a very, if you have a good ear and you've trained it, um, I think you can play it in any circumstance, in anywhere, any case of the world. Yeah. Mm, okay. So so the thing is to be flexible then, right? To fit in. Wherever you go, right? Or yes, I so yeah. I think if you want to play in an orchestra, the, so the 
the, the biggest um, quality is is teamwork, right? So, mm. of course, if you are a solo player and you're a principal, then you have time to time some solos and you have to stick out, and we know all of that. Um, but the major purpose is um, to serve the collective and to shine within the collective and to make the collective shine, right? So this is so you try to add. Um, a brick to the house and make the house beautiful. That's what you try, you know, that's what mm. you try to do. Mm. Um, so of course there is an aspect of flexibility you need to do. If you play in so many orchestras around the world, you need to have this, um, this chameleon, um, mm. ability of, you know, adapting very fast to what mm -hmm. you hear. So you can match the sound, you can match also the aesthetic and, you can match also the colors of your colleagues. So you blend and you, um, so I think that's the biggest quality. It's, as you said, flexibility, it's, it's true. It, yeah, mm. definitely. Oh, so that's quite exciting. That kind of keeps you on your toes, no, to, to keep uh, adapting. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's never, of course, it's never boring. So I'm, mm. I'm very grateful that I had the chance and I still have the chance to play with, uh, different orchestras around the world. It's a bit less now because I'm trying to base more my activity here in America and focus also on Chamber Orchestra of Europe. Those are my two orchestras. Um, and before I was, I was, you know, I had, I was playing more around, let's put it that way. I was also in Budapest, in Hungary, uh, mm -hmm. Stuttgart, I was in Leipzig. And then I, I played a lot also in Amsterdam to, to replace or um, in Munich or, so I, yeah, de definitely trying now to reduce this activity because, you know, I'm not 20 anymore. So, yeah. Ah. So, yeah. <laughs> I know um, you also have your professor job, right, uh, in in Germany still, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So there are some, you have to take, you have to make decisions and you have to prioritize um, things in life, right? So you cannot do everything. Um, so obviously you need to see, you need to seek uh, for what um, makes you happy and what fulfills your musical life. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so um, you have had incredible success, you know, at numerous competitions, the ARD and so on. Um, do you have some tips for our listeners? You know, how can we uh, train ourselves for peak performance at these kind of competitions and auditions? You know, how 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 can one deal with the pressure? You know, of of uh, doing well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so, first of all, I want to say that um, competitions are good. They're nice. Um, they look good on on a CV, but they don't mean so much. They're they're good because, in a way, they um, they can evaluate a little bit where you stand you know, in your life and in your level, which is true. So, of course, if you win a competition, you obviously, you can do something, right? So that's clear. We're not going to, <laughs> we have to face that. But I'm saying that it's not, it's not because you're going to win a, a fundamentally on oboe. I'm saying, I'm talking about oboe now. So it's not because you win a prize in um, in Prague or in, in Tokyo or maybe in IRD and Geneva, maybe less. But in those two, for example, it's not because you win a prize that it is going to change your life fundamentally what's important is that you play good right so that's that's number one this is, so you have to train so you play good because mm -hmm. um competitions it's also 
I don't want to say that it's um, um, it, that you, you need lots of luck with that also. So sometimes the level in a competition is very high and you have, I don't know, like 10 candidates that are like amazing and still you still have three prizes or something like that. So what you say to the seven others is like, yeah, I'm sorry, but, you know, we chose the three others because they were maybe a little bit better than you, but they still maybe deserved on that level a prize. And if they were in another edition of the competition, they would have been there also. So it does, that's why I'm saying that you have to be careful with competitions. They can help you as well as they can destroy you. Um, mm. So... There's um, so that that would be the first point. And the second point is, of course, it brings confidence. We're not going to, you know, it's like, of course, it's it's like Djokovic. Or, uh, no, let's not talk about Djokovic, but let's talk about Nadal. You know, of course, Nadal. Now he won his twenty uh. first Grand Slam. I mean, of course, it brings him confidence, and I'm sure that he's going to go to Paris or Roland Garros. He's going to play great. So there's a, it's like a, a chain reaction, right? Of course, mm-hmm. so you mm-hmm. initiate. You initiate your luck, you initiate anything. Uh, so, um, so in this sense, competitions are very powerful because they um, they create a force in you that, that could like maybe move on. You know, so mm-hmm. that's clear. Um, now, to, to prepare competitions, I I guess there is a there is a I don't know if there's a right way. There's probably no right way. There are probably millions of ways. Um, I think the best way is that everybody should find their own way. And I think that's, that's the correct way to see it. Um, I knew that I had to have the discipline. So I had to create a mental state of mind that I, I could, I could, so I, w- I really practiced a lot and mm-hmm. I trained physically a lot so that I was sure that I was prepared. Mm-hmm. So I had to have this security of, you know, putting myself in a position where I did everything I could, so why should I stress? Because I'm I'm prepared. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because if you're if you're prepared, why do you stress? Right? Mm-hmm. Stress is a very interesting concept. I um, I've never got. I had stress, of course, but it's I would say more nervous. It's like being nervous, you know, but it's not super stressed. Because mm-hmm. if you are fundamentally prepared, so you know all your notes, you know all the program, mm-hmm. and you've been studying it for many months and all that. Why do you need to stress? Mm-hmm. Because after it's just about playing and it's about giving your best in music. And if something happens, then okay, you know, it's life. We're all humans. We're not machines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, what's important is to prepare yourself and um, to prepare yourself accordingly to the music. So if you know what you're doing and why you're doing and what's the purpose about all of that, then you're going to achieve great things. Um, and if you're lucky and if it works well for you, then you'll probably get a prize you know, if you're in the best ones, but if you don't, it doesn't matter, you know, you continue and, um, it's ultimately about the music. It's not about something else. So that would be my second point. And then, um, how can I say, of course, oboe is physical. There's a yes. physical aspect of the instrument that is non-deniable, right? You need to be fit that's clear. And I knew that from scratch that I needed to be fit and you have to hold four rounds sometimes. And it's like in total is four hours of music or nearly four hours of music, uh, over the, you know, the lapse of one week, one and a half week. So, um, yeah, sport has been a key and essential, um, aspect of my preparation. So I had a very, very tight and tough schedule in, um, preparing physically my body for the events. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I didn't, I don't know, maybe I did, I did this the way I thought was correct for me. Of course, I got some information from friends and maybe from former coaches at school or I like looked at videos on YouTube, how people prepare. Um, but uh, it was definitely not on the level of a, like a super athlete or whatever. But for sure, um, I did three hours of sport every, every day, I would say. Three Before. hours? Yes, so I would do one hour of bicycle, like cycling, and then I would do mm -hmm. maybe half an hour to one hour of jogging. And mm -hmm. then if I could, because the competitions were always, most of them, they were like in September, October, November. So during yeah. the summer, I would go swim a lot also to prepare. Swimming is mm -hmm. very good sport because um, you train your lung capacity and also your breath resistance because mm -hmm. you, you, have to, you, know, you have to exhale in the water. Mm -hmm. which is similar to the, um, the resistance you have on the elbow with a reed. So I think that swimming is, it helped me a lot mm -hmm. to, to develop this capacity. Mm -hmm. So that would be point number three. And then, um, yeah, I think uh, point number four is to record yourself mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. Because you are your best professor. Of course, mm -hmm. you, can ha you have coaches and people who say to you comments on all of that. And... Um, Uh, we all know it, you know, you take the best thing out of the comments and the things that you don't think necessarily are going to help you, you could, you know, you could leave it, you could take it and you can analyze it, but you don't necessarily need to, you know, uh, make something important about that. But what you think about your own playing, I think that's the ultimate test. So mm -hmm. uh, you have to record yourself and you have to really, you, you know, and it's it's hard. It's a, it's a bit like the lessons with Maurice Borg, right? It's... Um, mm -hmm. That, oh, this is not good. Okay, let's fix it. Oh, this is this is terrible. Okay, what what am I what what can I do to fix that? And you just try. You know, it's like learning by doing. And I think this is the most powerful sense of teaching. Is like when you when you know what what you can do and you, when you find things because that's what's important. Some mm -hmm. some you know it's good to have of course teaching lessons and uh, so uh, lessons sorry where someone tells you what to do. But if you find the thing yourself. There's like a click, right? And this click, mm -hmm. this is so benefit, you know, for your for your mental strength and also for, for anything. It's um, so I would say that's also a very important part is to be able to record yourself, and listen to things, and uh, yeah, mm. yeah, and so to reflect, right? To reflect on the uh, what you have done so far. I think, yeah, 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 and you also see how you evolve. This is also it's like a It's like a, you see like a time frame. So mm -hmm. you go through the whole preparation and then you record yourself at the beginning, you record mm -hmm. yourself at the end, you see how you improve, how fast it goes. Mm -hmm. So you also have a time concept that really, um, how do you say, um, helps you in, yeah, in, in defining um, how, how far you are in the preparation. And I think that's, that's very important. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think I, I was telling you in the emails uh, leading up to the interview that I was learning this new uh, thing. It's called the Wim Hof Method. Have you heard about oh, it? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. Have yeah. you tried it? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it works, you know, like the, yeah. ice, the ice bath in the morning, you know, works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think I, I was more impressed with the breath work because I think the breath work is very, very uh, fascinating. It's like... Yeah. Uh, replenishing all the oxygen in your body and, and we need that right as wind players 
yeah, to to really uh, drive the instrument. Yeah. So I'm wondering, um, is it important for you to have like balance also? Yeah, because I know you're doing so many things. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Do you strike like or aim to strike a good balance between uh like work and personal life? Yeah, more and more. Um. Um. I don't know. Um, when I was in my twenties, I, I I clearly prioritized uh, career and oboe um, because that's what I wanted. Also, mm-hmm. that's clearly what I wanted. I, I just wanted that. That's what that's what made me happy. And uh, to practice hours and hours and hours and to to feel good and to to, to like to have to to have this dimension of control because the oboe is such a it's a difficult instrument it's an instrument you need to dominate in a way but mm-hmm. I, I don't like the word dominating you have to um, we say apprivoiser it's a bit like a you know it's a bit like a cat and oboe is a little bit unpredictable you never know what's going to happen to you right sometimes ah, the cat is uh, capriccio very nice yeah and sometimes yeah. the cat can just like you know just uh, yeah. pure Exactly. And the oboe is a little bit the same. Yeah. It's not like a dog friendly uh, yeah. animal. It's I wouldn't compare it like that. And so um there was some kind of satisfaction when I I, I could feel there was a symbiosis between me and the instrument. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that was that was so positive for my, I don't know, my mental health and also my physical health, that you could see that the work was improving and was going somewhere and to be able to achieve this over many years. And, um, yeah, this was, um, I don't know. I, I, I just, I needed that to be happy. And so I think this is why I focused most on this. So yeah, maybe from the private life, um, aspect, it was not that great. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that was also my decision, even if it was unconscious that, um, I I think I wanted that that way. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, you know, I'm over 30 and, uh, you see things a bit differently. You know, there's not also, there's not only oboe in life and, you know, there are other things. So yeah. And, um, it's good to install some kind of balance, um, and and different interests, of course, because they don't, you know, it's, um, I don't think I could follow that rhythm of um, intensity with, with all of that. Um, yeah, like mm-hmm. I did in my 20s all my life, it's not possible. So, mm-hmm. okay. yeah, to have, you know, your family is very important, of course, this is the most important, but, you know, also to, I know, to, yeah, to explore different things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what do you enjoy the most in your free time? Uh, my free time, uh, well, of course, I love spending time with uh, with my girlfriend Julia. Um, we like to, I don't know, exp- go to restaurants and uh, just whatever, spend time together. And um, I think that's what I like the most. Um, Apart from that, I, of course, I still I love doing sports, so I'm still I'm still training a lot. I try to train a lot. Um, I lo- I love to cook. That's my new hobby. So I'm uh, I like to you know discover new tastes and to get some recipes in the in the mind. So that's that's a new hobby. And um, 
Yeah, I love to read. I like to read a lot and and really trying to find some time to read more because mm -hmm. it, um, it's an art of meditation for me, so I, I like it very much. Um, mm. Yeah, maybe those are the new things, let's say. I see. Cool. Yeah. Um, I know that you were recording some albums, yeah? Uh, is there some news? Like, when can we expect the albums to be released? Yeah, it's coming soon. Uh, uh, yeah, with Corona and with COVID, um, it was, yeah, it was a little bit postponed. And also with my moving to the US, um, it was a little bit, yeah, there was some, some things to prioritize before that. But it's on its way. And um, I'm confident that in the next couple of months, um, the first one will be out and then the other ones will follow immediately. So there are three of them. So the project mm. is, was a trilogy. Mm -hmm. And so what we want is not to release them too far from each other. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a huge project, like a free CD with three different types of repertoire. Mm -hmm. And so we need all three of them ready, basically, so we can bring them out in a like short lapse of time mm -hmm. so that it makes sense, right? Because if it would be, you don't want to release a CD and then wait a year and then another one and it doesn't make sense. So there's a, there's a combination, right? It's been fought together. Mm -hmm. So, um, but we're confident that it's going to come soon. Nice. Yeah. I, I apparently heard that the, how do you say, now we should only release singles apparently. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. This whole cycle has changed so much. Yeah. Um, so, uh, are there some um, exciting uh, projects coming up? Uh, do you have anything to share with us? New projects in the pipeline? Uh, yes, of course, there, there are so many things uh, coming up. Um, um, uh, there are some things that, uh, yeah, there's, there's some things I... So, uh, for example, um, I'll do my debuts as a soloist in Carnegie Hall in uh, June, 7th of June. Oh. I'll play uh, Bach Concerto with St. Luke's um, Orchestra. So that's uh, a very big project. Um I'll also play my debuts with the Leipzig Radio in Germany in the festival end of um, end of May. Mm -hmm. um, also uh, highlight no end of June sorry end of June. Um, I'll also be in Canada for the first time in a music festival Domaine Forget, which is new ah. for me. I'll play with Emmanuel Payu and with Ole, which I know very well. Who's teaching in Mannheim and plays with us in Czech Orchestra of Europe a lot. So um, um, also. Um, I'm going to play Strauss with Hiroshima Symphony also in June. So June is like the, the month where I've like put all the solo concerts and uh, concentrated myself on that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's going to be very exciting. Um, there are some, some, some things that, uh, uh, I still cannot talk so much about because, you know, it's release things, but, uh, with Buffet Crampon, we are working, so the oboe brand, we are working a lot on the, on on the instrument and uh we're, we're going to you know we're going to do some more research and uh, we're just working further on on maybe new things for the future um yeah what can i say else um is uh lagen right the oval brand uh, yes the model, the model. so yeah so we we're trying to now we we did some launching in um in uh, European countries, and now we would like to go abroad. Uh, so we're going to go in 
in some different countries uh, around the world, we will go, you know, we'll try to go everywhere as, as much as possible. And uh, so some things will be released in the next couple of, um, of weeks about where we go. But we are, we're going to go out of Europe now um, officially. So this is, um, this is good news with the instrument. So, um, yes, um, what else? Um, let me think. Uh, we have a very exciting uh, Brahms cycle recording with Yannick and uh, with Chamber Orchestra of Europe in, uh, in Baden-Baden. We're going to do this again in Baden-Baden in, um, in July. Um, mm, nice. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Uh, nice. Uh, yeah. What else? Um, the, the rest is pretty much uh, routine until until then. It's like teaching and uh, doing some Chamber Orchestra of Europe projects. In the, we're going to Berlin next week. We're playing in the, in the Philharmonie. Um, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. That's about it until end of the end of the season. I will put it that way. In the summer, we have a very exciting European tour with uh, Philadelphia. We do all the big festivals from August until September. Um, by the way, we also do a Midwest tour uh, in Michigan. Mm -hmm. uh, also with uh, Philadelphia, this is coming up now in two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so the, yeah, it's, it's quite a lot going on. Yeah. Oh, so 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 busy! I hope uh, I wish you uh, wonderful reads for all these concerts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the reads so. won't be a problem. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I just have one last question. If you could offer some words of encouragement to maybe some young oboes who are listening, uh, what would that be? Um, yeah, be patient. <laughs> I mm. think the oboe needs patience. And it's, it's very easy to say, it's very difficult to, um, to accept, to realize, and also to, to do. But, um, how can I say, um, the more patient you are, I think the more results you're going to get out of the instrument. Mm. Um, it requires time and it requires, um, yeah, I think calmness. The, the more, the calmer you deal with the oboe, I think the better. Mm -hmm. And so if sometimes you get mad, it's, it's good, get mad, but, um, <laughs> Try to limit the limitate the moments of madness with the instrument. If you get mad, try and be mad in your own sake, and then leave the oboe on the side because the oboe can't do anything. It's like the oboe is like that. So um, I would say be patient. That's um, yeah, that's key. I think um, yeah, to I f uh, to, to be happy with that instrument. It's um, I think it's an important point. Mm. Oh, thank you so much, merci beaucoup for your time and waking up so early and you know, to talk to about all these things with me. Yeah, you're welcome. It's yeah. a pleasure. Thank you so much. I hope you have a really wonderful day and uh, all the success with all these debuts. Very exciting. We wish you all the best. Toy, toy, toy. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe or share with your friends. That would mean the world to us. Until next time, goodbye.